Let me encourage you to pursue and explore what it is to be spiritually activated. Your world needs you to happen to your world under the anointing of the Spirit of God. We're walking this thing through to give context and framework to be able not just to inspire you. We come together, we worship, we have a nice little motivational message. It's more than that. We want to empower you. And be empowered. Go to the blog and you'll see this whole progression of a prayer through the tabernacle, God's illustration to us given in the earth to know how to access the presence of God. So this, this prayer, I encourage you, I've been reluctant to say, how many of you have prayed through the tabernacle? And the reason is because I don't want to be you know, standing up here trying to preach and then like nobody has prayed through the tabernacle. Will you please pray through the tabernacle before I ask that question? But, but get, just go to the blog and you'll see that whole progression of this and there's something in you that starts to be awakened. Now I, I want to encourage you to know as we explore this today, and today we're going to talk about the table of the Lord. And as we explore this today, it's amazing, but it is all about Jesus. It's always all about Jesus. And I want to just remind you, those of you who've been here, those of you who are new to us, you don't know this, we went on a two-year journey together as a church family. We literally, every Sunday for two years, we came together and we looked at how Jesus is uniquely revealed in each book of the Bible. I broke down the history and context of each book, Genesis, Exodus, all the way through Revelation, and we saw how Jesus is uniquely revealed in each one of those books. It was a fantastic two years where God was just feeding us and enlarging us. Those are online. When you're reading your Bible and you're going to go into the book of Obadiah, don't just go into a book like that. Go online, listen to a 30, 40-minute message about how Jesus is uniquely revealed in that, book, in that book, and let God illuminate something in your heart as you explore that. You can find this, destinychristian.com forward slash Jesus in the Bible, all one word. And, and all those messages are on there and available to you, and I encourage you to discover that Jesus is always the central peace to everything God is doing in the earth. Jesus himself said in John 5, the scriptures speak of me. Guess what the tabernacle speaks of? What's his name? Jesus. Let's all say it together. Jesus. His name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. Now you're reading the book of Numbers and you read where it says, and let there be 130,000 of these tribes to this side of the tabernacle, and 180,000 of these three tribes to this side of the tabernacle, 154,000, 152,000 to these sides. You're reading that in the book of Numbers and you're thinking to yourself, so what? What does that really matter? Let me show you the layout around the tabernacle of these 12 tribes of Israel. If you pop that picture up for us, please, then you'll see from an aerial view, when these people in the Old Testament obeyed God and assembled around the tabernacle, they became the expression of a prophetic declaration of the cross of Jesus Christ that would come one day. Notice those 12 tribes form and express the cross of Christ. Jesus is being revealed from their willingness to obey what God was telling them to do. And then when we look into the tabernacle and the pieces of furniture that we're talking about right now, then you can see the very same revelation happening. As you come in, go ahead, if you would, go to that next picture, please. 
as you come in and you see the, the, uh, the brazen altar and the laver and into the holy place, you see the candlestick on the left, table of showbread, and all that progression, altar of incense into the most holy place, it's a revelation of the cross of Christ. Everything we're talking about speaks of the life and the, the power of Jesus Christ revealed. You and I need to be spiritually activated and awakened by a revelation of Christ in our everyday lives as we press into Him and we understand Him. I believe God really is stirring this in a, in a powerful and profound way. And, and I have to tell you, um, God does stuff that's way beyond our league. We started trying to prepare a worship night, thinking this would be a great time of year just to do a Sunday night worship night. And the night I wanted us to do it, we couldn't do it the last Sunday of this month because it's going to be a strong focus of just worship, prayer, prophetic, time of ministry. And, and so that last Sunday seemed right to me, and we tried to do it, but something was in the way, so we had to move it one week earlier. You'll see it on your note card uh, as you get those you know, note cards, and you'll see on there the worship night is listed there September 23rd, right? I think that's right, September 23rd. And so this is what's crazy. Yesterday, I realized I didn't get what I wanted with the date, but instead, I believe God got what He wanted because that's going to be the last Sunday where we actually go into the most holy place on Sunday morning and experience that on Sunday night in a place of worship. God is setting us up to go deeper. God is setting us up to take us further into the purposes and the plans of God. Will you go there with all of your heart? I believe God wants to awaken this in us in a powerful and profound way. And today, what I want us to address and take a look at is the table of showbread, the table of the Lord. So on the table, when you walk in, what you see is this table, and it has 12 loaves of bread on the table. How many loaves of bread? 12. When Jesus fed the 5,000, anybody know how many baskets were left over? 12. How many uh, tribes of Israel were there? 12. How many disciples were there? How many commandments are there? Just checking, making sure we don't have any heretics here. Ten commandments, all those others are twelve. So what you see is the table, and this bread is on the table, and these golden cups and pitchers on the table. It's all incredibly significant that we understand, uh, recognize this, because this, this table was made of something called acacia wood. And it was overlaid or covered with gold. Anybody want to take a guess who's being revealed by the table in the holy place uh, that is made from wood overlaid with gold? Anybody just want to take a guess, a stab? His name is Jesus. It's important that we celebrate Jesus. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. The name of cancer must bow to the name of Jesus. The name of division and divorce must bow to the name of Jesus. The name of impoverished and poverty must bow to the name of Jesus. This is an important name. We need to understand the value of embracing and expressing exactly what that is. And so, interestingly, the gold represents the deity of Christ and the wood represents the humanity of Christ. And it's wood and gold, humanity, deity. We see this in every article of furniture, some expression of revelation of Christ. This particular wood that it was made out is somewhat waterproof, so it's resistant to decay, and it, it's, it's really depicting the incorruptible nature of Jesus in and of himself as in the human expression of who he is. Acacia wood grows in dry lands. Jesus came from a dry and barren land. I love it that acacia wood gives me, uh, this medicinal gum when it's stricken. 
You can strike that, and medicinal gum comes from it. Does that sound like anybody you know? His name is Jesus. By his stripes, when he was stricken, you were healed, and a medicinal release from the kingdom of God is, is established, and, and we then have the wonderful privilege of embracing what God reveals. He suffered so that we could live. He became sin so that we could become righteous. He became sickness so that we could become healed. We have to understand the power of who Jesus really is and what he truly did. He's a non-negotiable. Jesus is the bread of life. That bread on the table is an expression of Christ. He's the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the manna that came down in the Old Testament. That was an expression of me, of who I am. I I find it interesting that in the 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus goes out, he's fasting and praying. And as his ministry starts, he is hungry. Yet we then discover he's the bread of life. Out of his hunger was released something of the revelation of bread to the earth. And on the cross before he died, he was thirsty. And he said, I thirst. Yet he is the living water. Do we know who he is and the price he paid so you and I can be awakened to the purposes of God, hear the voice of God, discern the ways of God, know the plan of God? It is not God's will that you walk around in darkness wondering what God's plan is. God wants you to be empowered to know the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. We can walk with a certain measure of confidence. And here we stand at this table, and we need to recognize and understand at the table of the Lord, it's a place of true connection with God Almighty. It's a place of powerful connection with God. There's something very sacred and very significant about the table in general. This is the place where a family comes together to eat and share in each other's lives when we understand the power of the table, the power of the family meal. Something significantly activating about taking time together. You you probably, Tracy and I, on our first date, when we first went out, what we did was we went to share a meal together. It's a common way to get to know each other. It's a common way to commune and have communion together in a sense of communication and relationship. Studies show that children of families that eat together four times a week do better academically and emotionally. In other words, there's something significant and activating on every level of life as a result of the table. And we need to see the value of that in a practical way, and we certainly need to see the value of that in a spiritual way as God begins to awaken that in our lives. So write it in, if you would, first blank. God's plan is for us to spend intimate time in God's Word as He enlightens and activates something deep within our lives. God wants you to really spend quality time with Him. And in doing so, it will transform who you really are. Jesus invites us to His table through His blood, through His broken body, so that we can eat with God. I just want us to think about what I'm talking about. It's too easy for me to sculpt out this message and paint this portrait that we can say, yeah, I see that, yeah, I see that. I want to ask you, will you digest spiritually what we're talking about today? Jesus' broken body, shed blood, opened an avenue, a doorway for us to sit down at a table and have relationship and fellowship with God. This is important. 
The table of the Lord was really important to Jesus in his earthly ministry. We see he was constantly at the table with somebody. He was eating with sinners. He was eating with people that the Pharisees and religious people of his day said, you don't get around those people. He went to the table with them. We see the famous portrait of the Last Supper. What was he doing? He was at the table. Jesus died, and after risen from the grave, one of the first things he did was he cooked up fish for his friends and had a meal with them. It's interesting to me that in the beginning of the Bible, we see where everything was lost and thrown away because of a meal that was eaten that excluded God when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And then we find in the last part of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in the latter uh, conclusion of Scripture, there's going to be something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the table of God. It's a really important component for us to understand that all of it comes together in the consummation of our faith and understanding of who God is in the world, releasing what He wants to awaken within us, all happens around the table. So I want you to write it in. The word is table. Time in God's Word is time at God's table, and that will truly change your life. Time in God's Word is time at God's table. And that will truly change your life. You know, I've asked the uh, worship team to let me give them a cue to come up, and this is that moment. You know, normally I'm pretty inconspicuous and we have a key word or something. You don't even notice, but I'm just like totally telling you. Look at that. There they go. Isn't that amazing? That was so inconspicuous. The reason that I wanted to do that, because what I'm about to tell you, I don't want you to be distracted at all. And usually that, that's about the time I would have wanted to come up and you all would have been looking over there. I want to ask you to really engage with what I'm about to tell you. It's very important that we understand it is easy to be devoted to exploring the Word of God and find ourselves neglecting the God of the Word because the table is not a part of what we're doing in our religious pursuit of Him. The table is about your personal, intimate relationship where you're actually taking time. If all you're doing is just, and, and hats off if you're doing a good job reading, you've turned the page, awesome, happy for you, that's great. But I don't want to make you into a Pharisee. I don't want people showing up here saying, look at my badge, I did my turn the page this many times, and I memorized this many verses. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. The question isn't, how much have you been able to accomplish for the Lord? The question is, are you really taking time to be with Him? And it takes a lot to do what we do as a church family. Like, as soon as this is over, we've got people making room upstairs, trying to fit everybody in for this lunch meeting that's going on. After that, we've got another meeting that, that I'll be going to. Our elders will be meeting together. I mean, this morning, before, uh, before some of you were out of bed, there were servants here, volunteers here, that were doing stuff early morning. I mean, a lot of work goes into being the church family God's called us to be. And if we're not careful, we get consumed with the work of the Lord and lose sight of the Lord of the work. It's very important that we capture the heart of God. Don't just do what you do for Him on behalf of trying to do more. Let's be sensitive to what He's desiring in the midst of it. And in Luke chapter 8, what's so important for me to share with you is this interesting verse of Scripture where Luke is describing the scenario where the woman goes through the crowd and touches the, the hem of Jesus' garment. 
It's a really interesting text of Scripture because in Luke 8, it describes the crowd almost crushed him. The crowd almost crushed him. Jesus was the product everybody wanted. Anybody here ever been to Black Friday sale? Man, I would rather get stabbed in the eye than have to go through another Black Friday experience in my life. I mean, you walk in, it's like lines wrapping around, people crazy, children being pushed down. I tell Tracy, do not push down the children next year. She only did that once. This is the scene. Jesus is the Black Friday product everybody wanted. You, you get what I'm saying? Everybody's fighting to get to him. The crowd almost crushed him. Like they're all forcing in. That's important for you to understand because when we read this in Mark, he doesn't give us that framework and that context to understand it with that much clarity. But the crowd is literally crushing in. So imagine Jesus making his way through the crowd, stepping this way, that way, trying to, trying to get through and, and knocking into all these people trying to get his way through the crowd. And this is what we read in Mark 5. Now that we've got the context of it, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Jesus was always asking questions that the disciples had to think, this guy is a nut job. Who touched your clothes? I mean, Black Friday, we're trying to get our way through the crowd. Who touched me? Who touched your clothes? What are you talking about, Jesus? Who touched your clothes? He, he said, who touched me? They said, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. Yet you can ask, who touched me? How can you ask who touched me when everybody's touching you? And Jesus is saying, not everybody is touching me. Everybody's bumping along. But somebody reached out in an attitude of expectation and they touched me and put a demand on what I carry that went into their body and they were healed. Come on, let's stand to our feet. The question is not, who's singing the song? The question is, who's touching God? The question is not, who's turning the page? The question is, who's touching God? The question is not, who's saying prayers? The question is, who is touching God? Are you touching God? Are you engaging on a level of, of affection in your heart with the Lord your God? I believe God's breaking some stale nonsense off of our lives. I believe God's serving notice on some stale religion that's trying to destroy your family. Your children will reject your religion if Jesus doesn't make it alive. I want to ask you this week, take some time to pray through the tabernacle. This is your action point of the week. And do it in a way that you're touching God. I want to ask you to turn the page, spend time in the Word. And do it in a way that you're putting a demand on the anointing of God. I want to ask you to memorize some verses this week. Just memorize some verses of Scripture. I recommend Psalms 84 if you've never memorized that chapter before. How lovely is your dwelling place. Oh, Lord God Almighty, this is the way you memorize verses. You don't just memorize it, you then rehearse it. And you open your heart and you experience God with it. Oh, God, how lovely is your dwelling place, oh, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, 
for the courts of the Lord. Better is one day in the courts of God than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Come on, there's something powerful about having God's Word established deep within your life. And you then can begin to pray the very essence of what God has revealed through that context of Scripture. And it awakens something in your heart. You become mighty men and women of God. This is called meditation on the Scripture. I feel the power of God in this room right now awakening something in hearts that are willing to reach out and touch Him. Will you reach out and touch Him in this moment? Come on, just reach out and touch him. Give him praise and celebration and declaration. Hey, we love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. Your will be done. Jesus, it all speaks of you. Every book of the Bible speaks of you. Every element of the tabernacle speaks of you. You're the Savior. You, were, you are the one who was in the beginning. You are the beginning and the end. Without you, humanity is desperately lost. You are the only way to God the Father. We acknowledge you are the Savior of the world. We acknowledge we need you as our Savior to rescue us from our sin, to become not only our Savior, but the Lord of our lives every day that we walk. Teach us to know what that means. 